Hello and welcome back to Naturally Adventurous, this is Charlie. For some time now we've had our Patreon scheme running and in the last year we've been sending out some bonus episodes to patrons and in an effort to drum up some more business and encourage a few more of you to join our Patreon scheme, we are going to let you listen to some of the bonus content that we created for our patrons, just an example. Today I'm going to let you listen to a day in the life of Charlie in Chiang Mai and a day in the life of Ken in Madagascar. So I hope you enjoy them. If you want to join us on Patreon, please check out patreon.com forward slash naturally adventurous. You can support the podcast for as little as $5 a month. So if you feel like you're getting enjoyment out of this podcast, any financial support would be gratefully received. Obviously, Ken and I are back at work now and we have uh, demands on our time. So yeah, a bit of financial incentive could be important in, uh, in keeping the podcast going. Sit back, relax, and listen to A Day in the Life of Charlie and A Day in the Life of Ken. And we will see you on Patreon. Well, welcome to the first bonus content episode of Naturally Adventurous. This is a, a fun thing that we plan to do occasionally for our patrons. So a big thanks to you folks. And this, this little episode is a token of our uh, appreciation. This is something we've talked about doing for a while, which is just going to be a, a typical day in the life of Charlie and Ken. This first one, we're going to chat about a typical day in Charlie's life living in Chiang Mai, Thailand. So one of the reasons I thought about doing this was because it just strikes me sometimes when I'm sort of going through my day that this is just so different from what you know somebody in the US or UK does. So I thought it might be a little bit interesting. We live next to a, a temple, so like a meditation center with uh, you know a bunch of monks in there. Buddhist temple. Yeah. So the, the monks wake up at 4 a.m. with a gong, which basically means that we... <laughs> you wake we, up at 4 a.m. <laughs> with a gong. No, not strictly, because the 4 a.m. gong doesn't actually wake me up, but it wakes the dogs up. Mm. the local dogs. <laughs> and, uh, and dogs are a big thing in, uh, in Thailand, as you know. I think you've mentioned it before that there's, there's stray dogs everywhere. and Well, that place you were living before, oh my goodness, you were just surrounded by like 15 dogs. Yeah. I guess you're in a new place now. Yeah, it's worse. Worse. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we've got, I live in a little compound. There's a, you know, a few little houses in there and there's like three dogs that live in there and they howl. They're one little wolf pack and then there's another one a little bit over there, another little one. So they all start howling at each other at 4 a.m., um, it's amazing how some mornings I'm actually able to sleep through that. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, so the monks wake up at four with a gong. At four thirty, they start chanting. So I'm kind of lying, I'm kind of laying in bed, and you get this like oh, in the background. It's, it's quite, it's quite mellow. You know, you mm -hmm. can just sort of sit there and listen to it. But it's, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's quite nice. And I do bury. I don't, I don't bird every every single morning. But um, I do, I do have a little morning birding route so you know sometimes like six or something like that before my son goes to school I'll do I'll do a little 20 minute walk around the blocks maybe a kilometer and invariably one of the one of the dogs from our compound follows me it's this little black dog called Dammy um and, and Dam Sidam means black so it's just little little blackie 
follows me around. And and what happens is they, they, they you don't walk dogs in Thailand. You know, you don't you don't take a dog for a walk on a leash because you just get all these territories and it just causes absolute mayhem. <laughs> mayhem in yeah. the road. So Dami, you know, doesn't really care, but she she just kind of follows me around. And, you know, it's like 6, 6.30 a.m. People are still sleeping, but like where, everywhere she goes, the local dogs just start going. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that causes a little bit of strife, but um, no, it's so, just... Wait, uh, let, let me see, get yeah, this straight. The yeah. gong wakes up the dogs. The dogs <laughs> wake up you. You go birding. You take the black dog with you, yeah. which sets off more dogs, which yeah. wakes up all the neighbors. Yeah. Got it. But um, but the Thais, Thais handled this pretty well. You know, if this was the UK, people would be coming out. Oh, what the hell are you doing? But Bloody then, dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but in Thailand, everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we love dogs. Yeah. Anyway, so we do my, do my little circuit with the dog. And, and the my little black dog has these arch enemy dogs, <laughs> these two sort of golden retriever type things. And we, we sort of pass down this alley. And they, they're just at each other's throats, you know, this sort of mortal combat to the death every single morning. Um, through a fence? Uh, well, they sort of hop through a hole in the fence and then sort of fight with Dami and, <laughs> and then, yeah, one of them runs off yelping. And yeah, anyway, so and that's a nice relaxing uh, <laughs> yeah, that start to the morning. Rejuvenating. Yeah. So my, my son sort of wakes up about seven and we sort of take him to school about 7.30 and he's in various states of, uh, of, of mood <laughs> screaming sometimes he's pretty chilled but uh, how old is he now 10, Ten. Yeah. yeah and then the school's like five minutes away so we kind of we just drop him at school and um and then it gets interesting we uh we to get a little bit of exercise we go to another temple about 10 minutes away that's on a little on a little small mountain and there's there's all these steps there's maybe like 300 steps of this temple I mean, we climb up the steps, we kind of walk quite quickly up the steps. And then there's a beautiful view over Chiang Mai from the top. And uh, yeah, and then we come down. But th- th- this temple is quite interesting. It's um, it's very popular with people. You, you don't have to climb up. There's a, there's a road that goes around the back and you can park. But they sell lottery tickets up there. And once uh, somebody that bought a lottery ticket there, one like, you know, one of the biggest... <laughs> Billions of baht. Yeah, prizes in, in sort of Thai lottery history. So now yeah. everybody goes to it's buy like their a, ticket there. A blessed spot. Yeah, yeah. So like all the people are going praying basically for, for luck with their lottery <laughs> with their lottery ticket. But yeah, anyway, we just sort of get to the top and just um, have a few breaths and look over Chiang Mai and um, say good morning to the, the lottery buyers and, and prayers. Um, and then we sort of head back down the steps. And it's, you know, even at like, you know, 8 a.m., it's, it's still pretty warm and you're sweating. And we go for a, we go for a, a Thai massage. It's not every day. This is like maybe once a week. And we have this beautiful little cafe where I have a little green tea. And then, um, and you go in the, in the Thai massage spot and they actually have a shower in there. So you get shower. In the, uh, massage. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they give you these beautiful little Thai little shorts and little, little shirt. Um, and then we have like an hour massage with these two ladies, my wife and I, which is just absolutely fantastic. And those that don't really know Thai massage, it's like a, it's a sort of cross between like yoga, some kind of like forced stretching and, um, some kind of martial art, some kind of martial art type thing. Yeah. It's, it's not just like a, a relaxing thing where you get <laughs> just got some soft music. Um, it's, you know, they've got your, their knees digging into your backs and they walk up and down your back and, and you know, for being such tiny ladies, they're they're remarkably strong. Yeah, so I've heard it described as enforced yoga. Yeah, like you will. 
It is. Your body will assume this it, position. It, Don't fight it. If you're quite fit and and supple, and you've done you do it regularly, then it, you know you, it's quite it's less painful. Yeah, it's nice. But if you're like an un- inflexible person and you haven't done it before, then you 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 will be in pain. It's quite a thing. But it's it's just such a little beautiful spot surrounded by trees. So you know it's just a lovely a lovely start to the day. And recently, we've also been getting to into swimming. So we've got a couple of um, pools nearby that are also kind of very beautiful situations and um, very few people in there in the morning. So we have a nice little little swim and then go for a little uh, mid-morning mid morning snack. You see, see, we haven't really done any work yet. <laughs> it's purely recreational. But uh, usually on the way back, there's a, this is a very nice vegetarian restaurant and they have all the, all the curries, like, you know, vegan curries and stuff like that. Um, like it's Thai food, but vegetarian Thai food. And we have a little bite to eat there. So the enforced yoga, the Thai massage, it, it cost about six bucks US for an hour. <clears throat> you know, and your cup of tea is maybe like a, a buck or buck fifty. Yeah. And then uh, you could, yeah, one or two dollars. So it's it's really not breaking <laughs> the bank, any of these things. But um, it's actually cheaper to eat out than it is to make your own food. So, yeah. you know, we used to cook a lot, but. Now it's like, you know, what's the point? You know, this, is, this stuff is so good. So I usually just kind of cook our own rice and then go and buy all these curries. Really? For, for it, takeaway? Yeah. So we eat there, but then we sort of take a whole bunch away in little plastic bags and, and have them for, <laughs> for for lunches. So, yeah, I mean, that's basically my uh, my little morning every day, which is, um, which is very cool. I usually do a, a language lesson online. I was doing a lot during COVID, and whenever I go back between tours now, I'll... I'll arrange lessons with my Mandarin teacher or my Thai teacher, which is a lot of fun. That's my that's my kind of happy place. Is there? It's like over Zoom. Yeah, over Zoom. Yeah, so you just arrange a lesson, and, and it's like it's like ten bucks a time. So I, I do that just to sort of keep up my Thai and my Mandarin, which is nice. We've usually got a bit of work preparing for tours or coming back or writing. Doing or, a trip yeah. report. Yeah, so try and get a few hours of uh, of work done before um before we pick my son up but you know the days kind of goes away quickly you know we pick our son up at four by the time you've done all that in the morning and had a bit of lunch and done this in a couple of hours of work it's uh that's that's the sort of uh the, the, the day gone pretty much but yeah my son also he uh he likes he does a bit of soccer he goes to soccer clubs so we take him there drop him off or sometimes drop him off with some friends We've got some friends that live in this beautiful mansion with a big pool. So, you know, he plays with the kids and we just kind of chill by the pool and have some cup of tea and uh, just relax. Yeah, it's um, it's nice. Yeah, it's a very uh, it's a very chilled, chilled place and a nice life. So does uh, Felix come home for lunch or he has lunch at school? No, he has lunch at school, but he, he, he you know, they don't really prepare vegetarian food. So, mm. well, they, they tried, but he didn't like it. So we, we send him with a little packed lunch. <clears throat> so my wife makes him a little lunch every morning in a little packed pack lunch box and then uh, takes it in. And then family, once Felix is back, does you guys have dinner? Yeah, we sort of have or... dinner or sometimes we'll, you know, go and visit friends or uh, do different stuff. You know, we haven't been swimming in the morning. Sometimes we go swimming after school or chatting with friends. I'll meet friends for dinner or whatever. Yeah, so it's pretty relaxed. To get around the city, 
Do you uh, drive? Do you take a <laughs> car or do you take we, tuk-tuks? Or, uh, no, 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 no. We, when we first arrived, we were taking... They had this system called Grab, which is like Uber. Yeah. We would take that a lot. Great. There's not many tuk-tuks. You get a few in the center and there's right. a few song tiaos, mm-hmm. which is like a little pickup truck with two benches in the back and you sort of sit along the side and they go along certain routes. But now that we've got our own transport, we, we rarely use that kind of public transport. If we're going into the city for some reason, the traffic's pretty busy and, and parking is a an issue, so we'll go in on our scooters. Otherwise, we're sort of uh, in the car. And it varies on the time of year as well. Sometimes, you know, if it's ra- rainy season, then we tend to be more in the car. Or if it's like really hot. Um, yeah, it's yeah, awfully hot. Absolutely scorching, <laughs> yeah. So in, that, in those situations, we'll be sort of more in the car than the, the scooter. But it's a it's a neat it's a neat place. We we live in a, an area just in, below a little mountain called Doisutep, which has got really nice birding as well. But um, this it's just a very kind of arty area. We've got a little art center around the corner. It's got a little ice cream parlor there. All these like little fancy ice creams and little cafes and, and galleries and stuff. And durian ice cream. Durian ice cream. Yeah, green tea. Sounds ice amazing. Cream. Yeah, it's a nice life. <laughs> it seems like the. Uh... Somehow the rhythm of life in Asia suits you, which of course there's huge differences between say Japan and Thailand, but there are certain similarities. And it, it just feels kind of nice to be part of the culture. When you're, you're kind of scooting down these little little back roads, just full of all these um, little stalls. You know, sometimes on the way back from school, we'll stop at these in these little markets and pick up some some fresh vegetables and fruit, and you know, from the all the ladies along the road, and there's just monks like walking everywhere. Often, when we drive in places in the morning, the monks are all walking along the roads, and they have these kind of begging bowls. The bowls, yeah. Um, and uh, and people like line up along the roads, ready to give the monks food. I mean, they call it begging, but it's you know it's part of the sort of uh, the, the the ritual, you know, the religious rituals there. But people are very happy, and they they sort of bow to the monks, and they give them sticky rice, and uh, yeah, it's and it's very. You know, you're going past these beautiful, like, kind of gold-inlaid temples and walking past lines of monks with these bright orange robes on and then these colorful little markets down narrow streets. It's really, uh, I mean, it's all very everyday for me when I, but I imagine, I remember when I first arrived, it was all very kind of exotic. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Asia still has that feel to me. It's kind of weird because it simultaneously feels really exotic, but also really comfortable, like, Thailand is one of the places in the world I feel very at home. Yeah. I've spent enough time, and it's something about the culture just very welcoming. And it's very welcoming, but they and they don't, you know, you don't you don't feel like people are staring at you the whole nah, time. Not at all. And you don't feel like you feel very very welcome, like they're happy that you're there. And they call it the land of smiles, and it mm-hmm. really it really is. Everybody's like smiling at you, and the smiling is actually part of um, politeness. You know, it's it's polite to smile. You get very nice interactions and you speak a little bit of Thai here and there and everybody's very grateful and, you know, supportive of your, of your Thai life. Yeah, that's yeah. a great thing about Thailand. Yeah. You just mix in a few words and people love it, but then you can yeah. switch to English and there's no real awkwardness yeah. to, to all of that. And not everybody speaks English, but there's always somebody that, <clears throat> you know, near, but within earshot that sort of, they've always got a friend down the road that they speaks a few words, whatever. But my Thai is good enough to get by on a daily basis now, so. It's nice to sort of get out and do a bit of shopping and buy some things and use a use a few Thai words here and there. So what's uh, what happens in the evening then to round out the day? Ah, you know we do different things. Yeah, like I said we sort of can visit 
friends and stuff. Some of this, there's some like night markets along the roads as well. So there's there's people selling different stuff. You know, they'll be selling like hot soy milk or and everybody's doing little barbecues at, at, at night, like sort of barbecue chicken and stuff, which of course we don't eat. But um, but you know, we're pretty, you know, we're not big party animals or anything like that. We don't usually go out to restaurants at night, so it's usually sort of just chilling at home or the school nights as well. So we're not staying up too late. A few new uh, Netflix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing I can say about Charlie is that he uh, often struggles to go to sleep and uh, stay, you, often stays up quite late. You, you know, I, I'm better now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was, because it was always like when I was watching too late at night and I, I wouldn't sleep, but now we read quite a lot. So when my son is going to bed, we'll sort of read a few pages of a book and, um, yeah, I get quite sleepy quite quickly uh, now with uh, with reading. It's that green tea during the day. <laughs> <laughs> the solution to your former insomnia. Yep, yep. No, it sounds sounds nice. Um, yeah, I, I like. I haven't spent a lot of time in Chiang Mai, but it has a nice feeling. Yeah, it's a little bit more historical. A little bit has a little bit of an older feeling than Bangkok. Yeah. Bangkok just feels like it was made yesterday. It's a more manageable size, and it's a sort of a single entity. And you can say this is a center, whatever. Bangkok's a bit more of a sprawl, huge. Sprawl. Yeah, but the the city itself is. Um, it has these old city walls, and it's like a, it's a square. It's a, it's a two-kilometer side square. So you, you go around it; it's like eight kilometers. And there's an inside road and a moat, yeah, and then an, then an outside road. And in, inside is like the the old city, but it's you know it's expanded much um, much beyond those. So yeah, very very historical. It's got wonderful festivals, and it's just just a a, a ridiculous number of coffee shops. <laughs> it seems like every third shop is like a coffee shop or or like a little place to eat. You're never far from a a cup of coffee and a and a, and a plate of delicious food. I guess we'll wrap up our little bonus episode for now. And, and another interesting one we could do uh, a retrospective is maybe. Charlie, typical day when he lived in South Africa. <laughs> Imagine it was very different. <laughs> it was when I lived in the middle of nowhere. That was uh, that was very different. But I know Ken well, and I've spent a lot of time with him. But I, I don't really know what he does at home, like on a daily basis. I don't know whether he's you know wanders down the road and buys a baguette or you know the, the sort <laughs> of the, you know the details, the ins and outs. So I will be quite interested to uh, to hear his Madagascar day in the life. Coming soon Coming to soon. a bonus episode <laughs> near you. Well, you know, my life is in such, I won't quite say upheaval, but it's yeah, just yeah. a transitional time now since we're in the process sure. of moving that yeah. it's not necessarily indicative of how it's going to be long term. But yeah, I'll, I'll just give you a snapshot of how it is at the moment in, a, yeah, in our next episode. But for now, uh, thanks again to everybody for their support and catch you on the next episode. Greetings, patrons, and welcome to another bonus episode. As promised in the last one, we're going to chat with Ken to find out what he gets up to on a daily basis. Last time I gave my day in the life in Chiang Mai. So um, I guess I know you're, you're all over the place now, but the place you spent a lot of time was up in uh, in Diego Suarez in the north of Madagascar, right? Right. Yeah, I lived there for about eight years. I've never actually been there, so I don't even know what it's like. I mean, you've said it's a nice place, but it'd be interesting to get a few details. All right, so I guess I'll tell you about a typical day uh -huh. in Diego, because now we're in the capital of Tana, and we're living in sort of temporarily in a different house, and yeah, things are quite different. So yeah, Diego day. 
So wake up, eat some mangoes. <laughs> so much. one of the few things I know about Diego Suarez is he's got absolutely amazing mangoes. And and when he would come down and we were co-guiding in Madagascar, he'd always bring you know a big huge bag of mangoes, which would quickly devour. It's the best mangoes I've ever had. These yeah. small, bright orange, little oblong mangoes. Remember, at some point you were going to try to to bring some seeds back to I, South Africa I and did, plant them in your I, garden. I, I took them, but I don't think they I don't think they worked out. <laughs> no, so well, I I especially since we've had young kids, which is the last four years and counting now. Um, go to bed very early, wake up very early, <laughs> wake up several times in the night. Tend to. To go to bed when the kids do, which sure. is around eight, eight thirty. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes as late as nine on a wild night. Yeah, it, they we're gonna ruin our street cred here. When, so I, I tend to wake up quite early, uh, like between four and five, um, which is often well before sunrise. So in Diego, we lived on the outskirts of, of Diego, which it's a smaller town. It has about 80,000 people. And we were way on the southern outskirts, really the edge of the town. Like you could walk from our house and go into the Middle Ages, like little grass huts, people with no electricity. Ox and, and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, you, so you walk one direction and you can go to like a big apartment building and you go the other direction and you go back. 600 years wow. so it's a really interesting place to live and we're on a, a bit of a hill and we had an absolutely spectacular view hmm. of this big mountain called uh, Montagne des Français which is a, a dry uh, like a well it's a I guess it's a limestone massif covered in dry forest um, with very prominent baobabs so I, sometimes I would sort of sit there with my scope on our porch and <laughs> scope the baobabs there were just these spectacular right. baobab forests. I can see um, you there drinking a coffee, I would imagine. Oh, of course. <laughs> Ken's very really partial to his coffee. I am. I am. What? We're getting there. We're getting there. So, yeah, usually I wake up pre-dawn. Um, I, I always used to like to go out on the terrace in the dark. And maybe there would be a, a Madagascar nightjar calling or a barn owl would fly by. And, uh, and then I'd go make my coffee, brew a, brew a French press of coffee and drink my coffee, maybe stand on the porch for a few minutes, start to hear the first Madagascar magpie robin singing, or maybe hear a bulbul. And then actually, towards the end of our time in Diego, I got into the habit of just reading for the first two hours or so of the day. So I just read. Because uh, I, I realized I was reading less and less, and I, and I tried to kind of fight that trend. So I, I got into doing a lot of reading, really enjoyed that. And so everybody else is still sleeping normally in my family. I was the only one awake, so I read for an hour to two hours. Then I would get together with the rest of the family. My family's pretty, uh, pretty flexible. Eh? We don't have a lot of like really fixed things. So it was like oftentimes somewhat of a, of a group meal, which more happened by coincidence than actual planning. <laughs> like, oh, there's a bunch of people in the kitchen preparing food. We, uh, it's funny, eh? some, some parents seem to make food for their kids every morning. We always wanted to train our kids to just sort out their own breakfast. So we, we wow. just would have muesli or eggs or bread or whatever, and kids would just find what they wanted to eat and prepare it. So I just, we I have to send my son to you and stay in your house for a <laughs> Baron's boot camp. Train him, yeah. So we, uh, yeah, kind of coincide for some breakfast. You have like a sort of... 
a lady that helps your employee maid slash nanny slash... Uh... Right, we do. She doesn't usually come until about eight. Okay, right. So, and she doesn't make breakfast or anything. Okay. So. Breakfast, we just sort out. Oh, I guess a big part of my morning since we've had these babies is, is kind of seeing them wake up. It's, mm. it's always just really fun when this like little head pops up in the bed. <laughs> and both of our, our young kids, they just seem like real morning All right. people. They just literally pop out of bed and are just full of energy. Uh, like They just want to go straight to play. So it's just super fun. So I usually try to spend a bit of time with them after they wake up. Uh, just play a little bit or just, you know, joke. Try to make the babies laugh. And, and then, yeah, after after some breakfast, um, I get into working. You know, turn on uh, my big Mac computer and similar mix of stuff to what Charlie mentioned. You know, trip reports, various consulting work, um, this destination development stuff um, that I've been doing for Angola. And... Yes, often preparing for my next trip. Now, of course, during the pandemic, there was no next trip for a very long time. <laughs> other kinds of work, you know, in, in those days we were doing virtual tours and uh, this consulting stuff. And so, yeah, whatever whatever the work of the day is, get into that. Um, yeah, have have lunch around midday, and that that has always been like the meal where that we always get together as a family. No phones at the table. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that the rule? Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, sometimes it's hard to abide by myself, but... <laughs> so you, you're the the two older girls, um, do they both have phones? Yep. Right? Yep. Everybody has phones, but no phones at the table. And, uh, yeah. Lunches, you know, with, with two small kids, lunches... Before then, you know, we would often have nice long conversations and stuff. But and just when you're get, just managing two babies, get, get the food in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you know, by the time you're done, there's just rice Mess covering like six oh, square meters. Is of it floor. rice really? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. so yeah, this is this is something about Madagascar. Rice is the staple, so it really truly is synonymous with food. Rice is food, and so. Like, regardless of what else we might cook and what else might be around, there's always rice. Yeah. And, and it's funny because the, the young kids love rice, so hey. it works well. Like, uh, Rianella's favorite, one of his favorite foods is rice and milk, rice and milk. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, there's always rice. I don't think I ever, I don't know when the first time my son ate rice was, but it wasn't too young, you know, it was always like pureed, like butternut squash or something like that. Very know? South African. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of tr train them to eat what, you know, they're supposed to eat in that country. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that's true. Yeah. So after lunch, you know, my typical thing was just to go back to work and, um, again, the same kind of stuff. Um, sometimes take a little, little siesta midday. I mean, Diego, where we live, was really, really hot. So actually, almost everybody takes a siesta which can be like three or four hours long. Diego, it's funny in Diego, people stay up almost all night. It, it, I mean, right. you can drive down the street in Diego at 2 a.m. and there are yeah. people everywhere. <laughs> and then, but you drive the street at 2 p.m. and it's like a ghost town. Really? So I never quite got into that rhythm. I just, 
I, I like more of the early rise rhythm. But you don't but, you don't have a nap yourself. Uh, I sometimes yeah. sometimes if I didn't sleep well the previous night right. or something, yeah. um, just dragging a bit, I might have a bit of a nap. It's it's quite a nice thing to do when it's super hot. And then, but yeah, pretty much work in the afternoon. So I, you you haven't been outside yet. You you haven't been out of your house. You know, when I was in Diego, <laughs> I didn't go out a lot. Yeah. Under house arrest. Uh, voluntary house arrest. <laughs> you know, I, I would I would go to the far ends of the world yeah. and uh, come home and then hardly leave the house. Usually when I got home, I would like hardly leave the... Really? Not the house. I mean, I actually spent a lot of time outside through the day. Mm. But it was just in our garden. Right. I, so I wasn't like going out or or... Yeah, there wasn't really a whole lot to go you know, out you know, for. You don't go shopping or... No, I don't like to shop. Really? Uh, and, and what would I even buy? I mean, when we needed to buy food or whatever, sometimes. Go get like, your mangoes. Who, who oh, no, no, I'd do that. I'd do that. Yeah. Sometimes I'd go on a bike. I could actually bike to some fruit-selling ladies uh, and buy papayas and mangoes. And, yeah, occasionally we would go out for an, or a coffee early in the morning. There's, there's some kind of cool cafes down on the main road. Huh. But, yeah, it was mostly pretty happy to stay at home so there was some variance but this is like your typical huh. typical day so but i you know i did a lot of like little breaks in the garden and just sure. walk, just uh, i mean I, I basically spent all day every day barefoot and usually mm. no shirt and just wearing some like athletic shorts because it was so hot <laughs> we had no air conditioning uh especially during the summer you just it's just sweating. How, how's the house? I mean, the, like with the construction of the house, is it quite cool? You got like little tile floors or a nice kind of tile roof that kind of. Pretty well, yeah. We had a pretty well. Our last house was pretty well constructed. It it was cooler inside, but it's still just hot. So right. Especially it was humid. Yeah. You just sweat. You sweat a lot. Uh, we had fans going all the time. So when I'm sitting there working, I basically just had a fan on me at all times. Right. But no AC. Eh? No, no AC. No, AC. no way. Um, never even, nah. uh, electricity is quite expensive. It's 10 times the cost of electricity in the States. Is that really? So Jeez. even if you wanted an AC, boy, it would just cost a fortune to pay the electricity bill. I'm not sure I could live in Thailand without AC. Yeah. Just in, just in the middle of the day, you know, the, the, the few hours in the middle of the day when it just gets kind of hot, you just want to take the edge off. The fan doesn't quite cut it. I mean, in Thailand these days, everything is built for air conditioning yeah, too. You, you yeah. haven't built places with a whole lot of ventilation or natural sort of cooling, right? It's, but your it's like a yours is like a, a brick house or a uh, kind of cement, stone, basically made out of in the cement right. cement house. Yeah, it's like an old one, like traditional one. No, no, no quite new, okay. new new house. Uh, They're very pretty. The you know you only drive around the countryside in in. In Madagascar, a lot of very kind of scenic. They're beautifully built, mm, yeah, two-story yeah. houses. That, you know, it's yeah, it, beautiful kind of traditional architecture. Although I just learned that it only originates back in the 19th century with yeah. this Scottish dude, James Cameron, who kind of invented <laughs> this like traditional style, style of architecture. Really, because um, there was a traditional belief in Madagascar that you don't make a house for the living out of dead materials so you don't make houses out of stone or brick a house has to be wood wood and grass like thatch roofs but now it's like old bricks eh? totally changed yeah Yeah. so cameron i guess designed a palace for the queen 
that was made out of stones. Ah, and then she kind of signaled to everyone that this, that, that was, was, this was okay now. Really? And so there's a big switch like uh, 160 years ago. I knew that. Yeah. But my, well, our house is not really particularly Malagasy house. It was actually built by a, a Belgian guy. When I think about Madagascar, I just I keep thinking about Tana with it. Everything's like on hills, and you know, is it what's the sort of topography in uh, in is it a little in, hilly there in Diego? In Diego? Uh, it's a little bit hilly. You right. know, there's that mountain I mentioned. There's another mountain in out to the west, which is the Montagne d'Ambre, Mount Amber Mountain, covered in rainforest, and then there's some smaller hills. Then there's also some pretty extensive flat areas. But when, when you're sort of cycling down on your on your little bicycle to go and buy some mangoes down the road, you've got to sort of go down a no a it's, slope. It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty flat. flat the area where the town is built is like a peninsula that juts out into this huge system of bays. Right. Which apparently is like the the world's second most extensive uh, network of natural bays, like natural really? harbor in <laughs> after Rio. The, wow. So it's it's a crazy spectacular place just beautiful blue water and uh there's this little this little island in the middle of a bay and it's like perfectly conical and they call it uh it's in french it's pain de sucre but it's like like sugar bread it's like a little like a little pastry in the middle of this like deep blue like turquoise bay huh really quite wow quite striking pretty yeah yeah uh, yeah, so I work for a few more hours in the afternoon, and then I, I usually knock off around five, kind of hang out with the family a little bit more, see what everybody's up to. Usually don't eat much dinner. Um, I, oh, I usually exercise around, right around five, do, do some kind of exercise. I used to often go for a run huh. or just do some, some lifting. I, I had a, a homemade squat rack really? in, my, in my basement, <laughs> which which I... Uh, welded out of scrap you, metal. You actually welded yourself? No, no. Oh, well, you, I, you gotta, I, you gotta I hired this. a guy, right? And we worked together, and I told I told him exactly right. what to do. Really? And uh, we put this thing together. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I was so sad to, oh, to lose that when we left Diego. And then I, the my weights, I got a I got a pole. It's an actual lifting pole. Yeah. But then I, I bought these things on Amazon, which were like these enormous uh, like pie pans empty. from some Ukrainian company. Right. And they're concrete yeah. molds. Yeah. So I <laughs> I filled these things with concrete and then I made these these things that were sort of like fifteen kgs each. Um Ah, that's hilarious. So yeah, do I would do some kind of exercise, um running, sometimes biking, lifting, body weight stuff, uh circuit training. And yeah, then usually just kind of relaxing in the evening, often yeah. hanging out with the family, the kids, reading a bit more. Sometimes I'd listen to an audio book and go to sleep. Oh, and we often, uh, in the late afternoon, there was a place next door to us, which was like a, a construction site. There were a few <laughs> houses on the same property, right. and there was a, a house that was being built for years, uh -huh. and they had this this huge porch that was that had the spectacular view I described, with yeah. like the Pain de Sucre and the Montagne de Français, and so we, we, we often it was weird. We never really planned it, but we, we the whole family we we just find that we were there at like watching the sunset many days. Huh. Girls were often doing exercise there, um, just like stretching or mm. doing yoga or something, and then babies. Baby Rianala wandering around, and then everyone terrified he was going to fall off the edge of the terrace because there was no <laughs> railing. And, but, uh, I guess he's still in that age where you've just got to watch him the whole time to 
He's yeah. just coming out of it now. Really? Yeah, but certainly yeah. the whole time we were in Diego, it was just, you could never really stop worrying. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the little baby now, she, she's been so watched over by so many people that she doesn't, she has no fear. Right. And yeah, she's yeah, starting yeah. to walk now, and she just, just walks downstairs with just complete confidence. And if you yeah. let go of her hand, she yeah. would just go tumbling head over heels, but she has no idea of her own frailty. So. Ooh. No. Yeah, well, I guess uh, there were also a lot of dogs around. Eh? Like, Is it? really, so ties are very nice to dogs. I, I find usually Buddhist countries, people are really quite kind to dogs. Yeah. That was not the case in Diego. People were horrible to dogs. Really? These were just these, like, half-wild, mangy dogs that <laughs> wandered around in packs. Right. You didn't really see them during the day, but they came into their own at really? night. And, and sometimes, like, a pack would come down the street and just start howling. And oh, God. I mean, it was very quiet where we lived, except when the dogs got fired up. So, I, I you know, I often used just white noise to... To drown out the dogs at night. You're not, you're not a big fan of um, dog howling well, at night. Any any kind of noise at noise. night. I I'm a very light sleeper. So <laughs> yeah, Diego Day it makes Diego me a little Day. bit nostalgic. Uh, yeah, it's it's inter- It's very interesting because I mean I I knew you were there and I was always speaking to you, but I, I didn't really know what you were up to like while you weren't speaking to me. So I, I, I do, <laughs> you just have all these little images of what it might be like, but. Um, it's certainly interesting to sort of add a few details here and there. Yeah, no? I feel like I'm, I must be missing something. But yeah, uh, I sort of felt I was missing something too. But um, well, we'll think about it. Maybe we'll, we'll have part two. Part two. <laughs> bonus, bonus, bonus content. <laughs> anyway, thanks again to the patrons. I hope you found these little short um, bonus episodes uh, interesting. We're going to be thinking of some different things to do to show our show our gratitude so uh yeah please give us some feedback if you have any but for now um we're gonna call it a day thanks kent for filling in those and um yeah we'll we'll catch you again at another bonus episode